Welcome to Inspiring Women with Lori McGraw. I am your host, Lori McGraw. I have spent the past 30 years in leadership, and over the years, I've come to learn one thing. Women need women, and not just any women, but inspiring women. Tune in every week to hear from women at the pinnacle of their careers and from others who are just starting out. Episodes can be found at inspiringwomen.show or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening, and I hope you will be inspired. This is Inspiring Women, and I am Lori McGraw. Today, I'm speaking with Eileen Moss. She is the Chief Executive Officer of Renovia, which is a digital therapeutics company focused on women with pelvic floor disorder. Now, there's a lot going on in women's health and a lot of money going into this field, so I want to talk to Eileen about that. And of course, just during this incredible time with Roe v. Wade being called into question, I want to see how that's changing the landscape as well. So Eileen, thank you very much for being on Inspiring Women. Thank you. It's so great to be here. All right. Well, Eileen, so let's um, maybe just start with a little bit about what you're doing right now. What is your day-to-day at Renovia? Uh, Every day is a very full, exciting day. I would say two of my biggest priorities as the CEO are fundraising because we're a privately owned company at this point and reimbursement. Uh, We recently had a randomized clinical trial published in the Green Journal, which is the Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology, peer-reviewed. And that's kind of your hall pass, as you well know, to have conversations with payers about reimbursement for your product. So uh, Leva is new um, to the market. It's a way for women to have really the best practices of pelvic floor physical therapy overseen by their clinician, but done at home in just five minutes a day. So it is groundbreaking and with groundbreaking comes new, right? So it's um, always a conversation with the payers about what's um, appropriate for policy coverage decisions and how much they're willing to reimburse for it. So that's a lot of my time. Well, it, it, but also it's not unfamiliar time. I mean, Eileen, this might be the first gig as a CEO, but you've been in healthcare for 20 years and you have been in the space of women's health, whether it's leading launches of new products or devices and now digital therapeutics. This seems like familiar space. There's so much money going into women's health today. But when you started working in this area, um, I, I it was not the most um, sort of, you know, uh, well-funded area. So can you give us a little bit of that career journey of sort of, you know, how did you start out and then how did women's health areas become such a focus for you? I, well, it's easy to focus on you know, as a woman <laughs> with uh, three sisters and a mom, you know, you're just naturally curious about what can impact your own health. And now I have two daughters and a, a daughter-in-law as well. So there, there's no slowing down on that. But when I first started in the space, I actually started as a pharmaceutical rep, right? So I was calling on OBGYNs and cardiologists and neurologists. And I just loved that relationship that OBGYNs had with their patients, that it was so long lasting and it was very um, supportive and caring and they wanted to help a, a woman through all the stages of her life. And I just felt like it was always a partnership when you were introducing new technologies and I introduced a lot of new technologies to them, but they were willing to work with you. Uh, you know, so I just found 
OBGYN is a fabulous group of um, clinicians to call on. And women's health, I mean, as a woman, how can it not be near and dear to your heart? And I have to tell you, um, when I first started a company called SciTech, we had a new product come to market and it's called the Thin Prep Pap Test. And there's probably not a, a woman listener who will hear this podcast that has not had a Thin Prep Pap Test. But believe me, there was many, many a days when it didn't seem like that was gonna become a reality. It was a much improved way of doing cervical cancer screening. It really cleaned up what people were looking at to make a diagnosis. But because it was new technology, it was more expensive. And we got tremendous amount of pushback from the payers. So now when I engage in payer conversations, I'm like, I don't know, this just feels really different. You know, people are very accepting of, you know, the thought of people wanting to access healthcare at home on their schedule conveniently, but overseen by that clinician they had the relationship with. It's, um, you know, our clinical trial was just published. So we're just really having those pay, uh, conversations with the payers, but they've been really open and accepting and not caring about, not just about your, uh, what urinary incontinence, you know, known as leaking, right? It's when you leak urine when you don't want to. Um, and they get that it's not only the condition of a weakened pelvic floor, but that what that means, like, okay, I'm, I'm a grown woman. I'm 57 years old is really a treatment for something that was caused by, for, for me, injury with childbirth to wear adult diapers. And no matter how hard Procter & Gamble and the others try to teach, show us in their advertisement that adult diapers are sexy, I just can't imagine, yeah. right? <laughs> that that's where any of us want to be. And it like totally blows my mind that we're in the year 2022 and that to mask a condition instead of treating it is okay. Well, what are some of the differences? I mean, when you started out with, I mean, of course, you know, the PAP, the PAP test, the PAP smear, mm -hmm. you know, that is a very familiar um, for all, for all women. And it's just interesting that when you started, that was, you know, groundbreaking at the time and talking about some of these issues and continents, these are all touchy issues. Oh, yeah. Are the, are the conversations different? I mean, are we able to talk about them out loud? I and mean, we're talking about them here on the, on the podcast. Well, Lori, one of the favorite products that I was involved with was something called NovaShore, and it's for ab abnormal uterine bleeding, right? Like a lot of women, as they approach menopause, their periods get very heavy. So it was a, a really quick, a very little downtime device that for a lot of women actually stopped their periods, right? So you didn't want to do it till you were done having kids. And I was just like, that was just like people were beginning to feel comfortable talking about their periods and it wasn't something in a hush conversation. And now I, I have an 18 and a 19 year old and they call it period pride. Like they'll walk up right to the counter at CVS, uh, throw their tampons down without blinking an eye. I remember being a schoolgirl, right? And you kind of hide it in the rest of the groceries that you'd be picking up for your mom. I think that has changed tremend tremendously. Urinary incontinence, we're not there yet. And, you know, my grandmom was a really smart woman, but I kind of blame our grandmoms for, <laughs> you know, we were kind of taught that leaking is a normal part of aging, you know, either from just standing for most of your adult life or, or carrying babies that the pelvic floor got weakened. And people feel like it's a, a shortcoming or weakness in themselves not a medical condition to be treatment. So I feel like we have a lot of work to do just on the education. Like we're so concerned about a strong core, 
right? And people interpret that as flat abs, but no, a strong core is a strong pelvic floor that it will help you uh, keep standing upright and keep you continent. And we just have to be more comfortable having a com that conversation. Well, I think about a strong core as flat abs. And so that's yep. something I dream, yep. dream about, not, <laughs> not quite there, Eileen. Let's talk about Renovia because you're clearly passionate about this work and you know, you're, you're fluent in, um, in these discussions. But um, it's my understanding that to, you know, you've been at this company for a little over a year and a half as the CEO and you came out of retirement to do it. So how, how did that choice happen? What interested you to compel you to um, come out of retirement? Well, I'll take you back to my career at SciTech. We launched many innovative products in the women's healthcare space. And it was, um, I felt like we had caught lightning in the bottle. You know, we had great products. This is what I was trained by the CEO of SciTech to look for. Uh, great product, great group of people, and passion. And I just felt like I looked at what friends and family did for a living. And I'm like, I have just been so incredibly fortunate to have that experience. But while I was going through that experience that professionally was unbelievably rewarding and exhausting, um, I got married, uh, had a stepson and had two girls. And it, when SciTech was acquired by Hologic, I just, I went on to do another um, opportunity, a startup for five years, but then I really needed to take care of the women's healthcare that was right in front of me. And that was raising my kids. Um, they have been raised by nine all pairs. Not that it's not a fabulous experience, but so I don't say I retired. I just went and did, you know, um, my, my other job full time, but, you know, and that was wonderful and rewarding as well. And how did Renovia come to be? I, I'll, I'll tell you a story. I, I don't often share. Um, my, my mother died of MS while I was retired and she didn't really die of MS. She died from the lack of dignity from being fully incontinent. And my mom had an MS for many, many years before all the good drugs were out. And she was really strong, um, just amazing grace throughout the process. But when she became fully incontinent, uh, the lack of dignity was what caused her to say, I fought long and hard enough. And you think about urinary incontinence, it's one of the leading reasons women go into nursing homes is because they're incontinent. So I felt like it's fate, right? Like sometimes you get tapped on the shoulder because you're the right person at the right time to do something that what our company is doing is, to me, it's, it's a mission. And I don't want another generation of women to feel like they've got to switch to a Peloton because they can't ride outside anymore or to be embarrassed as they're pushing their kids out of the way to get to the bathroom before them. It, it's just, it doesn't need to be. Well, it's a, I, I'm really sorry to hear that story. And there's so many of these personal healthcare stories of what happened and this desire to do something different um, for other generations. So thank you, Eileen, for sharing that. That's that's challenging to hear. Um, let's talk about women's health and the state of women's health, because mm -hmm. we're certainly having a moment. There are many, many new innovative companies out there in this space. There's a lot of venture money going into women's health. What's going on there? Why all the money? Why all the attention now. Lori, I would like you to uh, send some of the people with all the money my way. Because <laughs> I find fundraising um, 
you know, it's, it's, it's challenging, right? Like people, a, a lot, I think, believe a lot of the money in the, the healthcare space is being spent on certain times in a woman's life. Well, whether that's fertility or whether it's menopause, um, our arc is very different. Uh, women have urinary incontinence and all the societies say you should screen from the time you're 18 to the, to the end of your days. Um, and I just feel like it's something that um, people don't necessarily relate to or understand the depth of the 78 million women that have urinary incontinence. So I think fundraising is a, a challenge. And I spoke to um, uh, an investor <laughs> and you know, you have those things that drive you. This, this drives me. Uh, and we had been, went pretty far down the path and they ended up passing and they happened to invest in other digital technologies. So I was really surprised and I asked why. And he said, quite frankly, the exits from investment in women's healthcare just aren't what the exits are for general health care. Interesting. So Interesting. That, that's ignited a bit of a fire in me and has actually caused me uh, to really make sure, you know, our chief medical officer, Mandy Pulliam, always says that urinary incontinence isn't just a woman's disease, it's a family disease. Because uh, when the woman doesn't want to take a walk at night with her husband because she can't make it around or, uh, you know, it involves the whole family when you, grandmom gets up from the sofa and has leaked, right? And she's mortified and nobody understands what's going on. So instead of getting indignant, um, I challenge myself how to have the conversation that people can understand the quality of life and what it feels like to have your dignity taken away when there's treatments for it. I, I mean, really what women do is mask condition with pads and adult diapers. And I don't think anybody wants to be in that situation, but how do, how do we have everyone connect to the fact that we can do so much better? For I always say, Lori, it's the North Star in, in your life, whether it's your mom or your significant other or your, your child or a sister-in-law, sister, you just think about those, those people that have always been there for you. And this is our chance to, to be there for them. Well, having dignity um, in your own health, um, I think, is the type of thing that in any condition people can relate to. So I like that focus on, you know, a touchy subject, to say the least. How do you think women can take, a, you know, greater control, if you will, about their health care? And maybe let's not, you know, sort of, you know, weigh in on the issues of pregnancy, but just, you know, in health, you're focused on it, certainly in your company today, um, but also also, you've been focused on this general area um, in all the different innovative, you know, tests, therapeutics that you've brought to market over your 20 years. I think women in general are, are great advocates uh, for their own health care. And I, you know, women spend the majority of the healthcare dollars, right? They're kind of the family physician. It's always mom getting the doctor's appointments or uh, women taking care of their significant others. I, I think we kind of do the command and control center on that. I think it's when, you know, specifically in our space that women aren't aware of the options. And it really comes through in how we talk about our product as it's empowering. We actually rolled out a new advertising campaign at, at ACOG this year, and it's called Stronger Woman Everywhere. Um, and the whole concept is if your pelvic floor is strong, 
the rest of you as strong as well. And the, to me, it's about empowerment. Like, don't be embarrassed to talk about it. It's not anything you did or weakness within you that caused incontinence. I also think that you always have to market with respect, right? Like, how would I talk to my sister about it? Or how would I talk to you about it, Lori, right? I, I don't think the idea of, you know, that you have to be really brash and get in someone's face or it's just really like, how do we help you take the best care of you and be the best person that you can be? And to me, that's empowering and let you know that you have options. In terms of that empowerment, Eileen, I'd like to talk about just leadership. And in terms of your own professional career journey, you've ascended into leadership. You're leading a company as its CEO um, now. When did you first become um, not just a smart, hard worker, but move, make that move into leadership? Was it a moment? Was it a, always a plan that you had? Give us maybe an example of that. It's really interesting, and probably the reason why I'm addicted to startups is because every person working in a startup, if they don't bring their talents and their skills and their outside-the-box thinking to the table, you won't be successful, right? Because there's no roadmap. That You have to be really flexible and go around craters and scale hills, and you know you could have a great set of skills, but you have to just be flexible enough to pivot when you have to. So I guess when I first learned that I might want to dig further into leadership was um, when I was at SciTech and you know we started an OBGYN sales force, I was a person that had experience doing that, right? So I stepped forward and do it. When we were getting into conversations with payers, we were a small team. I, I can have that conversation. It was just always, um, you know, you look around and say, and we say this in our company today, if not, if, if not you, who? Um, it's just taking ownership that you care so much about what you're doing that you're willing to push that rock up a boulder. And I think what surprised me the most, quite frankly, Lori, is that leadership is service. And what do you mean? What, what do you mean by that? that you're always doing the best for others. You're doing the best for the company. You're doing the best for the women that you represent. You're doing best for the clinicians, but it's really um, hiring the right people. And by hiring the right people, I mean like who has the passion and the skill set to, to make this a reality, who has that kind of resilience and that diligence. To, to make things happen. It, it's about having the right people in the right place at the right time. It's not worrying about what's important to me. It's worrying about what's important to the future of the organization. It's doing the hard right over the easy wrong. It's about inspecting your expectations. Um, it's just really, uh, your intent has to be, what do you want this product and this company to be? And you just can't stop till you get there. And, and to me, that's leadership. Eileen, I really appreciate these comments. It's so interesting to hear you talk and just the passion with which you think about leadership and how to build teams um, in the and the like. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Any last closing thoughts or advice for other younger women who are starting out as they think about paths to leadership? Follow your heart. Everybody has a set of unique talents and skills. 
be true to yourself and be true to your profession. And I, I think you'll have a really successful career. I think the gift of women in the workplace is that we are multitaskers and we think about a lot of things and you just don't feel the pressure to be who you're not. Authenticity is everything. Um, and, you know, we have always said, like, when you put your head on the pillow at night, you know, you have to be true to yourself. And I think we can accomplish amazing things with that philosophy. Well, I agree with that. That is just fantastic closing thoughts and advice. This has been an excellent, inspiring women conversation. I've been speaking to Eileen Moss and Eileen, thank you so much. Thank you, Lori. This has been an episode of Inspiring Women with Lori McGraw. Please subscribe, rate, and review. We are produced by Kate Cruz at Executive Podcast Solutions. More episodes can be found on inspiringwomen.show. I am Lori McGraw, and thank you for listening.